listening to the Loving BDSM podcast, episode 348. Okay, the Lord's here with the one, the only, the... Did you have a good time this I morning, John Brown? I had a freaking good time. <laughs> that was emphatic. There's no doubt. There was no hemming, no hawing, no let me think about it. It was right. definitive. Oh, yeah. I'm here for that. See? <laughs> Aren't we all? We're not talking about that, but this week <laughs> what we are talking about is decision fatigue and how it can impact your DS relationship, how we have experienced it ourselves. Um, for some of us, n- named Kayla Lords, uh, even before getting into uh, a dynamic uh, and how, how decision fatigue gets us while we're here and been in it for 10 years. Sneaks up and bites in the ass. Or it, it comes roaring in like a lion through the front door. One of the two. Yeah, right. <laughs> welcome to the Loving BDSM podcast. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. Loving BDSM is produced every Friday for your kinky pleasure and education. And show notes are found at lovingbdsm.net. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite podcast app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Loving BDSM, on FetLife at Loving BDSM PC, on Instagram at that handle I will forever fucking hate, Loving DS and the number one. So that's at Loving DS1 or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Loving BDSM, where you can watch us live stream the podcast every Wednesday. All links are in the show notes. Okay, there so you're everybody's about to hear potentially a hum. That is us turning on the fan. Although our weather is very mild right now. It has been. We still uh, need the airflow. I've been very grateful for that. Yeah, other places are getting snow, and we're just like, oh, look, I have to put a hoodie on when I go for my walk. I mean, we, we had a patch where we were in the mid-90s for, <sighs> for a while yeah. already, which is way early for us. And I know that's coming back. Yeah. Um. Okay, so announcements. Excuse me. Well, JB hiccups like he's been hitting the bottle into the microphone uh this <laughs> friday the day the podcast episode goes out on all major podcast apps is our monthly third friday of every month mm. virtual munch q a hangout hangout where we are uh not we i am probably braless definitely makeupless might be wearing my pjs uh <laughs> it's our uh late-ish evening uh, live stream, 9.30 p.m. Eastern uh, time, our time zone. Uh, we often stay live until about midnight. Not necessarily, not always. Depends on how we're feeling, but usually. Mm-hmm. Um, we chit chat, we hang out, and then at a certain point, we take questions from the live chat. That is a this coming Friday, April 21st. If Better you... put that in my calendar so I don't forget. I did, don't worry. I have only like 85 calendars and it's in all of them. Uh, If you're a newsletter subscriber, there will be a reminder there. Uh, If you subscribe to the YouTube channel and supposed notifications supposedly work, you should find out that way. If you're listening to the podcast the day it comes out, uh, I try to put a link in the show notes pages so everybody can get to us however they need to get to us. Um, Okay. The other thing, the the line on my outline, I remember this like Uh it was yesterday because that's when I wrote it. Uh, We sponsored ourselves and then I left it blank. (laughs) Well, let's see. Which one do we pick from? Meeny, meeny, miny, moe. I know. Um, (laughs) I am here to report that I added the ability to buy sticker packs to our Loving BDSM Etsy shop. So like two weeks ago, it released a whole bunch of individual die cut stickers. Um, There's now a way to purchase them in a bundle of certain amounts and to get a slight discount. And then there's actual individual themed sticker packs based on the stickers that have already been released. And those are slightly smaller stickers. So if you are a sticker person and you're like, I could use some kink stickers, 
check out our Etsy shop. You've been doing <laughs> restocks over at the Kinkery. I have been. And then we've been selling out of other stuff because uh, I accidentally got you to make a good reel that people apparently like. And so people are buying shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got wooden knives. I've just made more candles because yep. we ran out of purple and red and I'm restocking those. And you got to make some paddles and we made some mm-hmm. canes and like all the hitty things. Um, and then, yeah, also there's our spicy page where uh, this week's, actually it'll probably come out like over the weekend, but this week's air quote that video uh, is me looking like a squishmallow getting, having my nipples tortured. So if that's your thing, we got that. All the links are in the places to any of the things. Pick one if it suits you. And if you're not looking in for anything kinky, there's always the Wood Dom shop where you can find pens and wooden bowls. bowls and I don't think I have that linked in as many places, but I can yeah. fix that. Yeah, see, there okay. you go. So I didn't know what we were going to say, so the we link said forest, all that. The Link Forest will grow again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to update. <laughs> I need to update the Link Forest. Um, okay, so. We're talking about decision fatigue. It is definitely something I've experienced. I think it's something that many people have experienced. Have experienced. Yeah. It's certainly not unique to kink or power exchange relationships. We are absolutely speaking today specifically to power exchange dynamics, the negotiated dom sub. I don't know how this would manifest in like casual relationships or um kink scenes i'm sure it does just don't have any experience of that so this is going to be primarily focused on our experiences as long-term 24 7 power exchange Mm -hmm. um so let's define what decision fatigue is for anybody who's not familiar with that um the best definition i found online that felt like it encompassed my understanding was the mental and or physical exhaustion that makes it difficult to make a good decision or any decision at all this can be part of burnout this can be part of neurodivergency this can be part of um uh, mental health issues that you're going through this can just be you've got a busy fucking life and there comes a point you hit your fucking limit and you just if you've ever had that feeling of i literally cannot make one more decision um that is that's probably decision fatigue that's that's how i uh think of it for myself i just go Mm. i can't um it does show up in all aspects of life professional life, non-kink relationships, uh, caregiving and parenting. Uh, Just the fact that we have to keep ourselves alive every day for the rest of our life and come up with meals to eat. And if (laughs) I have to figure out what dinner is and make it one more fucking time, I will scream like those kinds of situations. So for this week though, Mm -hmm. because it has been near and dear to our hearts recently and and throughout our relationship, we've had moments with this, we're gonna talk about it. So. Let's start with you so you can mm. actually get an opportunity to say something on camera uh, into Ooh. a microphone. I know. Um, what, what is decision fatigue for you? How, how does it feel? When, um, what, when's the last time you went it, through it? All of that. Last time. <laughs> right um, now? Right yeah, now? Yeah, right now. Um, it, it's something that's popped up over time mm-hmm. throughout the years. Uh, first time it hit me was when my sister was ill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, her care through her cancer and and death uh, both know I came home one day and I looked at you and was like I, I 
Cannot. I think I asked you to tell me what you wanted for something, and yeah. it was something small and benign, and you just went, I can't. Please don't ask me anything right, right now. I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And um, it it crept its way back in with my mom mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm kind of going through it in the here and now. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let y'all know how I've, I can tell. I've, Hold on. <laughs> I've, kn- I've known, too. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Since I've been dealing with um, my depression. Sure. And um, when I talked to my uh, therapist, that was one of the first things I said to her. I was like, you know, normally I'm, I'm the one who, who makes decisions that everybody looks to and, and everything. It's like I'm, I'm at a point I just can't. Right. Like, please don't need me. Please yeah. don't anybody need me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it's, def- you know, the, the last couple times it was um, because of the situations, mm-hmm. you know, being my sister's caregiver, being my mom's caregiver. Right. Um, this time it's a little different. It's because of my mental health. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels worse. Mm. than it did the last two times do you think that's because the the last times you could physically see you had physical manifestations of what you were going through there was a um an outside thing happening that maybe even in a sad tragic way you knew there was an end period too whereas this is internal yeah do you think that makes a difference i I think that that has a big impact Mm. on it Mm -hmm. um you know, before, and I and I, I hope it doesn't come out right, the wrong way I should say. Um, you know, but with with my sister, and my mom knew what was happening, knew what the sure. outcome, and it was kind of like, okay, there is an end mm-hmm. in sight, so to speak, and. You know, I, 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 I knew, in a sense, it wasn't going to be something that just went on indefinitely. Right, right. And with this, it's like, even though I'm, I'm, I'm working through things, I'm, I'm, you know, doing things to try to help myself, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like, well, I don't know how long am I going to be here? How long is this going to continue? Is and this my new normal? Is this what forever yeah. looks like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. So it 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 feels different in that aspect as well. Do you find that it's a constant the decision fatigue is a constant feeling or is it is there ebb and flows, peaks and valleys? Um, there there's a little bit of an ebb and flow. Um there are times where you know the, the 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 me kind of pops up for air so to speak and i'm like yeah okay you know this this is what what needs to be done this is what we need this is how we're going to proceed and 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 then a few times over the last three to four months i've been like oh my god i wish to hell i had somebody to make a decision for me ironically you do well <laughs> in 
Yeah. You just forget. And and it's not even so much that because when I'm when I'm there, it's like I feel like I don't want to lean too mu- on you too much. Mm, yeah. Because you also have so much that you 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 deal with that you do day to day. Right. You know, you're you're constantly dealing with the boys' health in some way. You know, the the youngest. You know. And and for me, I I don't wouldn't even know where to begin. You know, you help him through his days at school. With he his, and I are both going through seventh grade. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm looking forward to summer. Right. <laughs> so you know, you you have all that going on, and and there are moments like that when when I'm like, I wish I had someone to make a freaking who would go through seventh grade with me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I know. <laughs> and and it's. It, it's kind of funny because there are, as, as, you know me better than anybody, and you know that I feel out of control when I don't have control. And that, yeah, you tend to spiral when you're right. in that space. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because in in those those low moments when it's hitting real hard, I'd be so happy to just hand off the baton for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which there are. T- so here's a weird, delicate balance of this mm-hmm. because sitting here right now in the frame of mind I'm in, which today is a good day. Yesterday, I could not have said what I'm about to say. <laughs> and there's no way to predict day to day. Right. Which Kayla you're getting. Uh, let's be <laughs> I <know>. real. <laughs> but in the frame of mind I'm in today, I would yeah. s- I can say honestly and I mean it, mm-hmm. when you have those days, let me know because to me I see that as an act of service. Also, um mm-hmm. when I feel like when it's not a high pressure thing, like it's not how are, how will we, you know, do this big thing that's money or that's you know yeah. life decision or whatever when it's like the day-to-day stuff i, I definitely have opinions about how i think we should do things okay <laughs> shocking <laughs> i know and so i would say <coughs> let me know it's one of those days for you i can do that because that becomes an act of service that's that's mm-hmm. me being being of service to you however the delicate balance is, is on a good day i can say that right on a not so good, good day, day i might go I cannot handle that. You not don't one have more the bandwidth thing. for it either. Yeah. Right. And there's no predicting. I want to say to you right now, when you have those days, do that. And I would mm-hmm. say, when you have those moments, let me know. And maybe there is something I can do. I might not be able to do all of it. It might be a bad day for me. But also, some, I don't know what this says about me and if it's good, bad, or <laughs> neutral. But there are times that when I know that I'm needed and I can actually help. That feels so good to me that mm-hmm. it, sometimes, not always, the other stuff that's fucking with me can get shoved back a little bit because I'm like, I'm needed. <laughs> <laughs> I have purpose. And and then I'm good. And yet is that healthy? Because then you're just pushing your stuff to the back so you can Oh, you mean I can else? ignore all the shit that's right. screaming at me for 10 minutes to yeah. do something for you? Um, I'm sure yeah. long term that's not. But in the moment, it feels good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Rara brought up, isn't that what eeny, meeny, miny, mo comes in handy? Do you know how stressed I get out over eeny, meeny, miny, mo? Oh, my God. Because 
what if that's still the wrong decision? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's whole other issues. Right. Um, so I, I'm going to, without going into too much detail, we just, the other day, it was so funny because I clearly, my headspace was not its typical headspace, which was kind of good, but kind of not. We were doing yard work. We treated ourselves to a coffee afterwards and i'm thinking oh we're drinking our coffee we're gonna go home and you pull into a park yeah which is the sign that oh we need to have a conversation there have been many many times where we needed to have a deep meaningful important intense conversation something has gone wrong and we need to talk about it and we don't want to be interrupted by the kids or the dog or the cats right. we don't want anybody over here we want to just be able to say what we got to say and what do we do we get in the car and we drive to a park that actually we started doing that i think during when the pandemic started and we right. didn't really go anywhere. But we go sit in a park, in our parked car. And so you pull into this park and it was so funny because you go, I'm gonna park and uh, we're gonna have a conversation. Do not worry, I'm not breaking up with you and I still love you. And yeah. it was so funny because where my head, I think I was just so happy drinking my coffee. It tasted so good. I was the like the little kid who's like wiggling back and forth. I was like, shit, I hadn't even thought that's what this might be. And then I was like, Wait, he said he's not, but do I need to think about that? So we have this deep, deep conversation about many, many things. Yeah. And some of it was a little bit of this, but some of it was other stuff. But so I, all of that to say, thank you for coming on this neurodivergent conversation. Journey <laughs> with me. In that conversation, you brought up a very valid point about something that was bothering you about actually about how we, we get our kink scene on these days. Mm -hmm. And I said... Well, if you want to do something different, just tell me. Let's talk about it. You, I said, you're the one in charge of that. You decide these things. And one, it it felt like I saw like a, oh, yeah, kind of on your face. And at the same time, a, oh, yeah. Like in your experience of having decision fatigue, does that cause you to sometimes forget that you, the thing that you're unhappy about, the way our relationship is structured, you actually are in charge of fixing the things you're unhappy right. about? Like, does that, like, that remembrance of that go out the window because you're focused on how you're, like, how it sucks that you have to make decisions right now? Like, how do those things go together, I think is what I'm asking. I, I, I think part of it, and, and it's a, it, for me at least, in in this point in time and space it it's a multi-layered thing um because lately life has been like i'm slogging through mud uphill yep okay with the wind right in your face pushing you back yeah i'm on that journey okay. with you i promise and you know there i am i am so focused on on a certain number of things that are important mm -hmm. that in my head I'm constantly running this well what's what takes priority what's what's less important what's you know where where does this go in the ranking what what can I push as far back as I can what needs to be what do i have to deal with right this second immediately mm -hmm. so you know yeah sometimes things like that gets pushed way back right well <laughs> even just the understanding that oh i actually get to decide that like mm -hmm. that's now technically for anybody who's 
doesn't get it. Technically, we decide those things together because he says, hey, let's do this thing or I'd like to do this thing or what yeah. do you think about this thing? And I give my input and we negotiate. But after the amount of years we've been together, it's there's a shorthand to it because he can go, I would, this is what I'd like to do. And in like half a second, I'm either all in or I'm like, eh, right here, pump the brakes, let's talk about this. Um, so when it was, you were talking about wanting to change up some of what we're doing for our, our fuckery, yeah. I was like, just tell me, just tell me you want to do something. Right? Then immediately put parameters on it. Which, <laughs> yeah. Now here's what I'm curious about as a Dom dealing with decision fatigue. It is right and good that anything he mentions to me, I may come back with, okay, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. That is proper and good and good negotiation mm -hmm. and communication. However, from a strictly, holy just like today you came to me and said, whatever you do, <laughs> don't touch the hair today. Don't put nothing in it. Don't yeah. look at it funny. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, from purely like we know that me, Excuse me giving that kind of immediate feedback is what is supposed to happen and is good and that's what we want. Right. But from a purely like I'm a dom with decision fatigue moment, when you have made a decision or you're you're in the process of going, here's the thing I want, mm -hmm. and you're just verbalizing a decision you made where, however long ago. When there's that immediate back and forth of, okay, I gotta give mm -hmm. you, does that fuck with you a little bit? Yes, because especially if I'm sitting at a low point mm -hmm. and I come to you and I say, okay, I, I'd like this, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And you come back, which you rightfully should. Yeah, this is not us saying that nobody should okay. should not do this, but this in is my reality. head, then I'm saying to myself, "Oh my God, I got to go back to square one and rework this." Do you think that's a little bit of your brain lying to you and the Probably. all or nothing thinking? Probably. Because most of the time, it's really a tweak. It's like, yeah. okay, I can do that. However, not at this time, maybe at that time. But maybe when I'm wanna... in that thing and decisions are hard enough to make to begin with, right. and it comes, then you're like, oh. So then what I'm curious about is, is there anything that you imagine that you would like to hear or see as a response so that I'm still giving my authentic mm -hmm. response and we're negotiating, but that can ease that feeling for you i honestly don't know and i'm and i'm wondering from my because again i don't want it to sound like i'm advocating for a submissive to not say yeah no you know here's what i think here's what i need here's what works here's what doesn't now, that is not at all and i'm not going to fucking stop doing it however i want to be sensitive to that mm -hmm. because i know I'm a bull in a china shop, verbally and physically. Okay, so if I what a cute one at that. Well, sure. Uh, if I don't know where your headspace is at, right. and I'm not being mindful of that, I will just blurt out the thing I'm thinking right then, and it will come across as sassy, as forceful as yeah. as all of this that y'all can hear. So I'm wondering I, if I there's a signal I, you can give me. I, I think it's not so much as what you can do, as I think I need to communicate that's what I'm saying. more so where, where I am at at the moment. That's what I was in a very long roundabout way getting to. <laughs> Is there something, like if you were to say to me, hey, I've, I've come up with something. 
and I understand it needs to be modified or I understand mm-hmm. if whatever, but just so, here's where my head is at. My brain is full. Right. <laughs> so if we need to modify, that's fine, but we'll need, can we table this, you know, just hear me out and then let's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of what would, without putting so much, so much of a requirement of extra energy on you to be able to, to tell me what's going yeah. on with you so that I can respond in a way that's actually helpful for both of us. I don't know. I just wonder if there's like a thing, a way to let me know where your head is at hmm. so that I still say what I gotta say, but maybe I'm not as me about it. <laughs> not as spicy about it. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm actually, I try to be, I want to be mindful and delicate of your sense. Like I want, I want to, yeah. I want to make myself clear, but I don't want to bulldoze you. And I know nobody is shocked that I have the ability to verbally bulldoze somebody. So (laughs) podcast listeners, you can't see the knowing look, but you know the knowing look. (laughs) Um, Now, the last times you went through this period of decision fatigue and just Mm -hmm. not feeling like you can make decisions that were directly associated with outside events your sister, your mom, Yeah. could you feel yourself coming out of it or was it more of a switch flipped one day? Um, it was something that I could feel myself coming out of mm-hmm. in those situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you keep talking, I'll let the dog go. <clears throat> because <clears throat> again, there, there came a point in all that where I was no longer needed to make constant decisions mm-hmm. kind of on the fly. Right. With, for with, somebody else. For constantly. somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, um, you know, it in, in one sense you would say, well, how is that any different than making decisions in our relationship? But I would say somebody has never gone through it to understand the difference. It, yeah. It's it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And and it especially and, with illness <clears throat> and life and death situations, because yeah. decisions are can mm-hmm. literally be life and death. And there's a there's a gravity to it that's different. And and in that aspect, yeah, there there was a point where that ended and I could feel it, it wasn't like a light switch mm-hmm. in those instances. <clears throat> but I could feel things slowly starting to to come back right okay and in this instance in this time um i've been started therapy what january January. oh time has no meaning i don't know yeah um early mid january and so you were feeling the way you feel before you started therapy before there was thing yeah it had started before that and I'm going to say, you know, I through that time, yeah, there were moments of clarity where, you know, you come to me and, you know, yeah, I, I could just, you know, run it through my head and, and come up with something and we would talk about it and, and finalize the decision and off we go. And then it would just slip away like a greased rope. <laughs> Do you find a cycle or a pattern to it? Like, are there... Is it like you get one good day and then two or three bad days? Or is it a week that's good and then a week that's bad? Or is it just higgledy-piggledy? You know, I, I honestly don't know. Um, haven't really 
thought about that, looking at, at it from the lens of is there a... I can tell you one. I'm sorry. I thought of it right as I asked. Of course. <laughs> it's not cyclical. It's situational. Okay. When you have the worst days, and it's multiple days, the worst days for you from my perspective mm-hmm. are after you deal with your family and all the stuff left over from your mom's death. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Okay. Well, like yeah. Like you, you are down for the count. Mm-hmm. My job is to be supportive, but mostly out of your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that is in, and I, I think this is the right word. I mean it in the clinical sense, but maybe it's not quite the right word. It, it's a tr- every every conversation is a triggering experience, it, yeah. and you, yeah. Like I know that you even try to time the conversations for when you're feeling good, which I think it's good because then you mm-hmm. can go into it with whatever, and then. No matter what that conversation, how that conversation goes, what happens, what is said, whether it's neutral or bad, they haven't been good yet. They've been no. neutral or bad. <laughs> the the drop from that is instant and it is palpable. And at that point, I know I'm not coming to you to ask you shit mm-hmm. because you were you're not in the headspace. Now, outside of that, because you have been limiting that contact as much as you can. Right. Um, well, I mean, you notice I don't just out of the blue reach out oh no you actually plan those conversations like there might be a text and you're like well you're gonna have to wait or there might be a call yeah. and missed call and you're like well you mm-hmm. have to wait until i'm ready right. which i think is the the best way to approach it since you have that option you can you're not yeah. you're not in the thick of it like you were at the end of your mom's life where you yeah. were just there and things happened as they happen um and in those times it is very obvious it is situational it's not there's no ebb and flow there is on and off it's one moment mm-hmm. to the next is a stark difference okay. but like you've been in a period now of a, f- a couple of weeks where that has not been a factor and i just wonder if you're noticing anything with yourself that makes it better makes it worse how it kind of flows for you i <laughs> dare dare i say that maybe this is a ask you might want to take on for yourself if it's not overwhelming because if decision fatigue is the overwhelm of making decisions there's then the correlating task fatigue of what do you mean (laughs) i gotta do something i made a decision but now i have to actually do something with it what the hell that's a whole other thing we we could probably do an episode on that just on that too (laughs) Right. right um are there any other thoughts or anything you have about your perspective of mm. of this i don't think so not at the moment okay okay you feel free to interrupt me as i interrupt you <laughs> <laughs> when, when thoughts hit you um so i guess you know you are just one dominant with one perspective mm-hmm. one experience it's going to be different for everybody right. um i think when we're thinking about decision fatigue um, if that's a concept that you understand as a thing and you've, you know, it makes sense that we would think about it for dominance because if they are the ones making decisions in the power exchange and something is going on with them or just life is a lot, they would be the most obvious person to experience decision fatigue. But uh, yeah, guess what? Submissives absolutely do. Mm. Um it's funny because when I was thinking about this as a topic, what I was thinking about from my side of the slash 
very clearly was the decision fatigue that I don't even, didn't even recognize as that. Like I would never have used that language for it. Mm -hmm. But it was when um, both my previous relationship before you and then with you, when I, we finally like negotiated, finalized, firmed up, this is what our power exchange is. Hey, you're my submissive now. And, and here, here's where you're giving up control. I absolutely had the, oh, thank God, somebody else can make the decision. Now, not about everything, because when we first got together, we were long distance and there were mm-hmm. huge parts of my life I had to be the one in control of. Right. Um, and even now there are parts of my life that I'm the one in control of. Um, but I, clearly have a memory of just this visceral, oh, somebody else can do this for a minute. <laughs> and I I don't know how common it is. I don't think I'm alone. I really don't. I've had enough conversations with submissives over the years where that is a feeling other people have described to me. And it was one of those things where I would never, I was never, even looking back, I have no conscious memory of going, I. I can't make another decision, please don't. I was in the thick of life where I was the only one to make the decision. And so decisions had to be made and I was just doing what I had and to I, do. That was it. Yeah. Right. And I didn't have the language for it and I didn't think of it in those terms. But when I had the option of somebody else making some of the decisions, it was such a relief that now knowing what I know now, I'm like, yeah, that that's what it was. Um, and I think that there are a lot of reasons people experience sub frenzy. Um, and sub frenzy manifests in different ways for everybody. The commonalities tend to be rushing into power exchange, making decisions that are, you don't have your own safety or best interest at heart, believing I got, I got to do this because this is the only opportunity I'm going to get. I think the relief from decision fatigue and having somebody who says they are willing to make these choices for you, to tell you what to do, to take that mental load off. I think that can absolutely contribute to sub frenzy. I was very fortunate in my first and then with you that I found happened across a decent person who did not take advantage of that. Um, I have no doubt I was in sub frenzy. Mm -hmm. I just got lucky that I had partners who were like, we're not gonna do that dumbass dangerous thing you're willing to do. What the fuck? We're (laughs) We're gonna be safe and slow about this. Thank God. <laughs> but, you know, if if anybody can relate to, wait, I get to submit, whoo, this is a breath of fresh air. I feel a little less weighed down. I, th- I think that's part of that. There's also the very common trope, which comes from a real place. Stereotypes, cliches or happen because there are people that fit that. It's just not an everybody thing of like a high powered professional person who's mm-hmm. like the CEO or the mover and the shaker, the one like like doing the big bad job, but in their private life, they're submissive to the core and like, you like, know, yeah. allow their, their dominant partner to do all manners of things and give them all kinds of mm-hmm. control just for that, not just for that, but in part for that sense of relief of, right. I don't have to be the one in charge. I don't have to be the one to decide. And, you know, it's funny if if I didn't have some of the life experiences we've had in recent years, I would say, oh, that that's a time when a submissive experiences decision fatigue. For, but for anybody who is somehow sitting back going, well, submissives don't feel this in their power exchange because they've given up control. Let me tell you how fucking wrong you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, JB is the decider. And ultimately when he's, you know, batting a thousand, 
he makes the decisions and I don't have to decide a lot of right. things. However, <laughs> one, in the times when he cannot, either when you could not physically be here because you were mm-hmm. caregiving or your mental health was dead, bad down or bad or you know after you got hit by a literal fucking car and after your back went out on you real bad two separate occasions you would have thought they would have been one and the same they were not they were not (laughs) those times that you're down for the count the life still has to keep on right Right. like bills still have to get paid work still has to get done dinner still has to get cooked plus there are absolutely places in our relationship where you're like Here's my parameters. Within that, you make the decisions. It's fine. Like, I know what what meals we eat, so I can decide mm-hmm. what meals to cook, right? Um, the only time I might ask, and if you're not in an intertwined power exchange, like this, this might sound weird to you, but yes, if I want to try a new recipe, I do not unilaterally just try new recipes. I go, no. JB, does this look good to you? Because if it don't look good to him, I'm not even bothering. But I won't put it into yeah, I mean, rotation. Is this, is this something you would eat? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, even on those kinds of levels, you're to the extent that you can, you're making those decisions. Right. But there's a whole, because of the way we've structured our power exchange, there are all kinds of points where I make the decision because I've got the parameters in place. I know what you would approve. I get to choose from there. And yeah. I like that because it gives me a lot more autonomy and it's a lot less me going back and forth to him 80 million times a day. Nobody's got fucking time for that. But what that means is that I can absolutely hit decision fatigue. Like mm-hmm. we talked about at the top of the episode where I was like, please do not make me think of one more meal I have to cook mm-hmm. for these damn people. Because anybody who's ever done that sort of domestic labor knows it's not just what foods to cook, it's who eats what, who doesn't eat what, how can you make a meal without being a short order cook and making four different things that can kind of satisfy everybody's wants, needs, sensitivities, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and tastes good. Oh, and you have the ingredients (laughs) for it. And do you have to go to the store for it? Just deciding dinner can set me off into please don't, uh, we're just ordering pizza. Uh, We now have Onyx on our table. Mm -hmm. I don't know what podcast uh, folks will hear because she loves bumping into a microphone. Um, But during those times where I have to kind of take over because life still moves on, by the end of it, yes, I'm exhausted because, and I don't want to make any more decisions (laughs) because it's not, one, it's not like JB makes like three decisions a day and that it's, it's all small stuff constant. Plus like what you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, when it comes to life admin stuff and it comes to mm-hmm. the kid stuff, those things tend to be my domain. Yeah. Where I can go to JB and ask, "Hey, how do you want to handle this?" I do. But there's a lot like with the with the kids, I'm not asking him anything most of the time. I'm telling him, "Hey, this kid has this thing, this kid has that right. thing. Oh, a decision has to be made about this treatment, this class, this meeting, and I'm making those decisions. And so, yes, even as a submissive, (laughs) in the middle of a 20, don't stand on her thing, in the middle of a 24 seven power exchange, I absolutely hit walls where I'm Mm -hmm. like, please don't anybody ask me for anything. I I just wanna be left alone. (laughs) our, Our personal calendar, some weeks have been insane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have multiple multiple things going on um, you know this kid has this activity going on in such and such a place that kid has this going on um, 
I have a doctor's appointment. You have this appointment. You got to run things to the post office. You got to, you know, and always talking about, you know, how, you know, okay, well, on this day, we, we have to go here. We have to do that. We have to travel with this kid to go here. What are we going to do about dinner? What are, how are we going to handle that? You know, and and it's funny because typically what I try to do is come to you with options, options, right? So that you can make a quick and easy decision. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what's funny about that: if you are also a submissive who kind of does that <laughs> in your power exchange, in order to give JB options to choose from, I have to go through all available options and whittle them down to two or three, right? Yeah, and that's a lot of mental effort that goes into just day-to-day -day stuff um you know there's thank goodness we have really good communication skills with one another we try to be mindful of the other's mental state when we bring up conversations where a decision has to be made however sometimes it doesn't matter what the fuck you're going through this thing has to be decided mm -hmm. and um I don't think I'm alone in this as well as a submissive. I have control. I don't think they're issues, okay? I like having control to a certain extent until I don't. <laughs> and I like giving up control to a person I trust completely because even when his, when JB's decisions are not decisions I would make, I can see the sense in them. I believe mm -hmm. in them and I know that even if like it goes sideways and it's a mistake, everybody's best interests were had. So I like having control until I don't. And I like having some control, but not all control. And so that's how I can be submissive in a power exchange because I, I still have that autonomy within parameters. There's still parts of my life where I do make those decisions. I am making decisions. I might just not be making the final decision. I'm rooting through all the available options going, these are the ones I think are best. Okay, of my preference for best, pick one. And I like that mm -hmm. until the fatigue hits, until I'm overwhelmed, until my mental health is in the tank, until I've had to do it for too long with zero relief. And I just think back to, I would say my single mom years, but. I was the one having to make all of the decisions and do all of that emotional labor when I was still married in my first marriage. Um, and I just think, how did I do it without losing my mind and running into a, the dark night screaming? I don't know because <laughs> in that situation, there was no, there should have been a partner to make those decisions with, and there wasn't that person was checked out for their own reasons and then so once he was gone and out of the picture it really wasn't that much different it meant that i didn't have to at least i didn't have to take another adult's opinion into account when i made decisions which was kind of freeing but after you do it day excuse me day in and day out with no relief it can be exhausting even for people like me who love having the control because I think I make good decisions. <laughs> I do not always make good decisions. And then there's the anxiety of a decision being more fraught than it probably has to be. So then it's a relief to go, hi, daddy, can you decide? Because yeah. this feels bigger than maybe it even really is. But so, yeah, I go through it. Um, the bigger thing, I think all of that is probably kind of obvious. And I think anybody who's ever had decision fatigue, you're like, yeah, I, I get it. It's 
it could be an anxiety thing. It could be an overwhelm thing. It could be a not having mm-hmm. a partner to help you. It can, I know, I think we've both gone through this. There's been times when there's too many big decisions to yeah. make. And then you either just have to make them because life is coming at you that fast or you have to take the time to think through all of them. And then it's not really a decision fatigue. It's more of a, an anxiety of, am I gonna make the right decision? But you know, the past two years that have been, there was a bit of hell going on for part parts of them. Mm-hmm. There were so many momentous decisions that had to be made. We didn't have a choice. You had to just pick a fucking path and go down it. No choice is still a choice, right? right. Um, that we were exhausted just because of the sheer amount of big decisions that all got made and all felt like they were life altering. And if we made the wrong move, we were, you know, ending careers, ending lives as we knew it, like, what did this all mean? And I think fatigue can come from that. Just too many big decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I think from a submissive perspective, I think submissives probably get it. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm saying anything life-altering i think my experience of decision fatigue is is similar in in how you've described in that there comes a point where i go oh i I can't please please god don't ask the the thing i want to touch on right at the end here is when both of you dom and sub are going through it together yeah and i was just and i was just thinking that wouldn't it be in a perfect world when i'm at my low you're at your high or when I'm at my high, you're at your low, and you know we just keep passing the baton. Yeah, that would be perfect. Doesn't work that way. Yeah, that 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 is the the tricky part because <clears throat> there's layers to this. There's our power exchange, and that's how we want to move through life together. Mm-hmm. We want to be very clearly in our roles as dom and sub, whatever that means to us. So, like when you see me making a lot of decisions or doing a lot of stuff. Some of it's because that's like, that's my purview. It's the kid stuff. So that those are decisions yeah. I make. I, I mean, we talk through things. I don't mm-hmm. unilaterally just decide everything, but it's a, those decisions are compromised. There's no one decider. Right. And then some decisions get made because it's like, okay, this appointment has to be at this time. I don't stop in the middle of that and ask JB what he's thinking, right? So there's that. And then there's, um, but that, I still see that as being of service to the relationship. I have my domain, you have yours. Then we have the mm-hmm. overlap where I bring you multiple options, but you still decide and that's something we do together. And so there's that layer. And then there's mm-hmm. the other part that can conveniently get forgotten by some kinksters. And then that just stresses them out because they've forgotten it. There's the, we still have to get through life regardless of our relationship roles. Life still has expectations of us. Life still demands decisions. Not making a decision is a decision. (laughs) Because I promise you, if you're like, well, I could do this or I could do that. And then you do nothing. There's an outcome to the doing nothing. Yeah sometimes not the outcome you wanted. Mm-mm. Uh, Mm-mm. And so, you know, there are have been clear times where, like when you were caregiving for family, I could take on the role of just getting shit done. I knew what right. your expectations were. The only time I might not make a decision without you is if it was just too big and it was gonna an, impact us long-term financially, our home, our family, whatever, we're gonna talk through that. It might still be a thing where you don't feel the pressure to have to make a decision, but we collaborated to figure out whatever the answer Mm -hmm. ought to be. And so 
you know, and there have been times when you're not dealing with like depression like you are now, and you were not dealing with decision fatigue. And I said to you, I cannot do this. And in those moments, you do what any decent partner, and then of course Dom mm-hmm. would do. You go, okay, I can make these decisions. Or yeah. when it was not something you were used to, you go, okay, what? Give me some details, and then I'll make decisions. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. I need, I need more information. Right, and we could do that yeah. now. But let's talk about that delicate balance when we're both going through it, <laughs> um, and what that looks like, and how we handle it. Not well lately Mm-mm. has has been the thing i have noticed with both of us Mm -hmm. we when decisions have to be made like it's not an option there's no well let's just wait this out and see what happens kind of thing yeah um i'm not gonna lie this is not the majority of the time but it's more often that i'd like sometimes not rushing in to make a decision and being patient helps because then you can see things clearer later i don't like it i want to like check this off my fucking list but sometimes Mm -hmm. waiting a little bit it's better than rushing in, I'm just saying. So sometimes you can't do that, but um, we are crankier with one another. True. Um, Until both our conversation over this past weekend and today's conversation, frankly, um, we don't, we're really bad at telling the other where our head is at. We respond to the thing in front of us, that we gotta make a decision and a decision needs to be made and let's get this shit done. And we lash out, not in like really bad, harmful ways, but in ways where we're just like, it's a low grade annoyance. With one <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do know that sometimes I'm not necessarily feeling the decision fatigue quite as, as heavily one day, like one day is a better yeah. day, but I need decisions to be made. And sometimes those are your decisions to make, case in point, True. doing stuff for the kinkery. That is JB's shop Mm -hmm. that's his baby i just facilitate its success right like (laughs) he's the one that's got to make the good shit and give me the good shit to sell yeah i put it out there but with no product there's nothing for me to do right (laughs) and he has to make those decisions well (laughs) that's a place that i can maybe tell him what i'd like but without that communication, I think it feels more like demands. I'll, I asked you, I was telling you the other day, I'm like, oh, we've sold out of this, we're low on that. And you're like, uh-huh. And I could hear it, the overwhelm. Because mm-hmm. I think that's decision fatigue and overwhelm, like they're holding hands yeah. and skipping together for in different ways and in different reasons. But I think they go together. And I said, well, do you want me to make you a list? And you went, yeah, make me a list. And I was like, okay, I get that. Well, then I make the list and then that's, you, you got to work, you were doing some stuff, but then mm-hmm. things kind of went sideways and, and I had more things. I'm like, do you want another list? You're like, oh, I guess I want another list. I'm like, <laughs> okay, but this pays our mortgage. So I need product. So I need you to tell me what I can expect. And it was too much. Yeah. And, but we're not communicating with one another that I have to have, I'm overwhelmed because we need product to sell because we have a mortgage mm-hmm. to pay. And you're overwhelmed because you're like, I don't know which way to start first. I don't know what's most important. Even if I did, I don't know which decision to make. And finally, days of this, and we still haven't done it, but I, you yeah. agreed to the suggestion. I said, mm-hmm. look, we need to make an updated list. I need product because if you give me product, I can sell it. And we, let me say again, we can pay our mortgage. I was like, but if it's overwhelming to you, you're not, I said, why don't we sit down together and make a plan together 
we have not done it yet, but I got his agreement. That was a decision he could make without too much, whatever. And on some level, I am doing that as a business person who's trying to make good business decisions. I'm also doing it as a loving partner who wants to help my partner who I can see is struggling. But also always there is the layer of, I'm a service submissive and this helps my dominant. This makes Mm -hmm. life a little bit easier for him. And all of those things are happening all at the same time. They are all true, almost equally all at once. and so I see that as service. That's a very business thing. It's a very personal thing. If we can't pay our mortgage, we will be freaking out. Uh, <laughs> that will be a bad thing. But also that desire to help you, that that is at the core of my service subby nature. Like I've always been that way with the people that mm-hmm. I saw as either an authority figure, which was sometimes bad because <laughs> they didn't deserve yeah. it but also it's the people I care for. Like I'll, I do too much to help the people I care for. Sometimes I have to remember that as a parent. That's that's a whole other conversation because you know, my desire to help and make life easier for the people I care mm-hmm. about comes from a place of service. And sometimes the actual help is to not fucking do something for everybody. Thankfully mm-hmm. in this situation with JB, that's not a concern that I have. That's not something I have to worry about. As a parent, it is. And when you're in a a relationship with the wrong person who takes advantage of it, it is. But you don't take advantage of it to the extent that I have to remind you that I'm here to help. Yeah. Like you're sitting over there overwhelmed with all these decisions you have to make, but it's all in your head. And I can see you like grind, like clenching your jaw and grinding your teeth and having conversations with yourself in your head. How do I know? Because he does his, his Italian hand movements, but there's no words coming out. I'm like, are you having a conversation in your head? Uh-huh. Okay, you want to have that out? You want to have that out loud? Maybe we can You know me too damn well. workshop this together. So, <laughs> I have to go in and remind him that hi, I, my job here is to help you to be of service. That's that's what we do here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a little bit like playing hot potato with one another because it like when we're both going through it, Neither of us feels capable of making a decision, but a decision has to be made, so we just kind of toss it back and forth. Back with and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have any like. The only thing that I can say for if that we need to be better about mm-hmm. that is effective when we remember to do it. Right. If this helps anybody else is to fucking talk about it, to just say, I am overwhelmed right now, or I'm tapped out, I can't I can't make any more choices. Some, t- oops, sorry, I banged my own microphone. Sometimes we order dominoes because not nobody wants to make a decision. Sometimes we let the, the dis- dirty dishes sit for an extra few hours or overnight. Sometimes we go, fuck it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes one of us, like, finds deep within us a little like a little ounce of i can do this for you because you can't do it right now Mm -hmm. i'm gonna need a nap when i'm done making this decision because because i'm i'm tapped out Mm -hmm. too and i know that i do that most often because of my service nature if you partly because i'm keenly aware of the responsibility it takes to go, yeah, sure, I'll be responsible for most of the decisions in this relationship. Mm -hmm. That's a lot, that is a lot. When somebody's doing it to the best of their abilities and usually well and taking it seriously, like 
you have my respect for all kinds of reasons, but (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, I don't behave respectfully most of the time, but it is there. I I do feel the respect, even if I don't show it. Uh, (laughs) But you have my respect for that because you don't just randomly make decisions. You don't selfishly make decisions. The reason, one of the reasons you feel decision fatigue is because you take the decisions you make so fucking seriously. And so when you're tapped out and I can feel that I too am tapped out, I will dig deep into that Mm -hmm. well because this is what I can do for you until you can do it for us. And I do take it seriously because whatever decision I make affects not only you, affects not only us, it affects the boys, it, you know, and it's, it's all intertwined. And I think that's another reason that decision fatigue can set in. It's the overwhelm and it's, depending on the decisions you're making, it's the gravity of those decisions. Like it's kind of easy to make decisions like, which toy are we gonna use? Which task do you want me to do? Like when they're not, they're important, mm-hmm. but they're not that serious, like it'll be okay. Some of those decisions are like, shit, the, the decision, and sometimes decisions feel bigger and more important than they are. Um, Like they feel like they could be life-changing if you pick the wrong one, you fucked up and you really haven't. You just might be pivoting later. Um, But I know in those moments of decision fatigue, decisions feel bigger than they are. They feel because of that overwhelm, because Mm -hmm. of that, I'm already so tired, I'm burnt out. I don't, it's not that I don't wanna do this, Mm. but I can't do this, but I have to do this. And then add any sort of anxiety or depression or anything like that that you might experience and you've just made these things bigger than they naturally are. Mm-hmm. And then you you add even more overwhelm on top of it. And it just becomes this like cycle and this loop of, you know, almost a snowball yeah. kind of thing. Cause it feels, each one feels bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't have any like, you know, magic tip for how you make that stop. I. Right. Communication is the the biggest thing because what I have noticed happens with us and you most often, you get so deep in your head about it, what you mm-hmm. can do, what you're not doing, what you should be doing, you know, we should ourselves to death, <laughs> that once you say it out loud, one, it tends not to be as big once it's out there True. in daylight. And two, then you get another person thinking about it and basically workshopping it. like well, what do you need? Where can we make this better? How, you know, what can I take on that maybe I haven't, you know, or it's sometimes it's just the other person's perspective of you've made this bigger than it is. Hey, let me bring this back down to like real world, you know, scenario, not the big bad situation you've envisioned in your head and that you've stayed so focused on to that you've, you've made it, you've catastrophized it when it, it wasn't that. So I don't, I don't have a fix for how to get rid of decision fatigue, even how to deal with it. But I do know the times we've been able to tackle it together and give ourselves some measure of relief until it, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, we worked through it yeah. naturally was to just talk, talk about, about it, it and bring it out in the yeah. open. Um, and I can see where doms would struggle with that. If you have this sense of, well, I'm the one in charge and I'm the one that's responsible and I've got a partner that's counting on me. And so I've got to be this, that, or the other and whatever your self-perception is as a dom of what you're mm-hmm. supposed to be. I could see where that's difficult, 
but you do yourself and your partner zero favors if you don't say something. And I can't speak for other submissives or other types of submissives, but I would dare to say, especially if you have a service type or just somebody who fucking cares about you and, and wants you know things to be a little easier for you. I don't even think it has to be a service kind of person. Somebody who is willing to be your teammate here, and we have talked about teamwork before, that's a past episode. They're, even if they don't necessarily have all the answers, they're gonna want to help. I mean, if you're talking about a partner that doesn't want to help you when things are difficult, what kind of relationship are you in? And that's true regardless of the side side of the slash. We might not be able to fix it. We might not have all the answers, but the desire to want to help a partner who is struggling, I just feel like that should be like a non-negotiable in in certain types of relationships. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, don't don't hide it. And submissives, if you're the type of submissive who who has ceded some control and authority to a dominant and you know they're making a lot of decisions, don't tell yourself that you air quote shouldn't feel decision fatigue because you're a submissive. That's fucking bullshit. There's still plenty of parts of our lives where we have to make decisions and that fatigue you feel is coming from a place. It's coming it's coming from whatever's going on in your life. It's coming from mental health stuff that you deal with. It's coming from burnout. It's coming from somewhere and that and it's legit. So yes, you two can still go through it, even though you're not the main decision maker in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I know when my decision fatigue is occurring because there's a lot going on family, especially family wise, um, the school breaks, make a big ass difference, especially now that these children are older because <laughs> they need us, but in, in different ways and lesser ways, right? Yeah. So I'm just counting down the days till, till summer break at this point because certain decisions don't ever stop. <laughs> Doctor's appointments, dinner, grocery shopping, blah, 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 blah. But going through seventh grade for the second time will end because this child will eventually finish it. Um, Some of the things that are causing that for me, I know will calm down. Um, And so I'll get that break that I need to just kind of go, that's right, there's a whole part of my life right now that does not need a lot of decisions made. Okay, we get a a break, we get a breather. with what you're going through, I, I wish we could go, here's what will happen and JB will not feel this overwhelmed or, you know, be dealing with decision fatigue. Um, and that's just not not the case. No. I imagine that however, whatever's gonna happen with your depression, whether it just eases for you or mm-hmm. it, I hesitate to use the term like eliminated completely, like that feels, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel quite right. But like it eases up enough for you to go, oh, Yes, I am. I am feeling different. I'm feeling right. more my my old self. Whatever, whatever. You know, I think that as that eases, then then the decision fatigue. I think the two are connected. I, connected. Absolutely, I I don't disagree with that at all. The the two are definitely mm-hmm. connected, mm-hmm. and that's just a time thing. And in the meantime. I'm gonna need you to have less conversations in your head with your Italian hand movements. Oh, come on. And more out loud with me. But next time, maybe like warn me we're going to the park for a big, serious talk. Big, like in the middle of it, he's speaking his truth and I'm just sitting there with arms crossed, jaw clenched going, I promised I would just let him speak and wait until he was done before I said anything. But I have very strong opinions about this. (laughs) 
Well, see, you know, knowing you as a person with anxiety, if I had said the day before, hey, look, I'd like for us to go have a talk, sit in the park, and, you know, one, it would spin up in your head. Yeah. Big time. Mm -hmm. And two, knowing you, and and I think that that term is absolutely perfect for you, bulldozer, (laughs) you would keep pushing me. I've gotten better about that. I have gotten better about that. Yeah. Because what happens now is it just stays in my head and I start having my own conversations in my head about what I think is going to happen. So then by the time the thing actually happens, I've worked myself up into a tizzy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I figured the best way to do this is. uh, But look at you. You made a decision and it worked out. Yeah. But in the middle of it, did I go? Don't you remember? You're the fucking dom. Like, I'm real respectful in these yeah. deep, meaningful conversations. Yeah. You get to decide that. My favorite was when you went, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, because we get wrapped up in our own heads. Yeah. I, we all, all of us, all of us as human beings do. At mm-hmm. some point, we get fixated on a thought or we believe a thing that is yeah. not accurate. I mean, you know, that's, just... that's, that's the worst of it. And, you know, between dealing with our finances which is not something that unfortunately we make a decision on we make a decision and we on just how move to forward it, you know we we make a decision but then things change and we have to recalibrate everything yeah and at this you point know. we're we're recalibrating weekly yeah yeah and um you know then yeah dealing with my my sister and all that you know and and it's a it's lot just, that's a lot and this is our current are we ebbing we must be ebbing not flowing this is our current ebb yeah and at some random point in the future that we cannot foresee that things will flow again mm-hmm. and it won't feel so hard right. and then it'll ebb again it'll yeah. Flow. um yeah so, so what we've i think over the time we've known one another because we were i think we were we would have figured these things out I think because of how we are without, if we had never met and this had never existed, I think we would eventually have mm-hmm. gotten to things we've figured out. But our power exchange and the way we approach our power exchange means that everything gets talked about it at some point. Maybe yeah. not right when we're experiencing a thing mm-hmm. or right when we're thinking about a thing, but everything gets talked about eventually. True. And over the past 10 years, we have slowly figured out how to approach these things we still forget we still get you know trapped in our own head we still like overthink things Mm -hmm. and you know but we're we're we get back to the point of we just gotta talk about it faster each time yeah um i'm not gonna lie making a part of our professional lives um where we talk about our own power exchange all every day all day kind of that forces us to kind of be in those moments better than if you're just like out there just living your life um quite frankly that's that's a benefit i'm not saying everybody needs to make their power exchange their profession i'm (laughs) there are parts of it i would not recommend however (laughs) if you can you know spend some time semi-regularly thinking deeply about your relationship and and your partner and how you communicate it it gets easier over time um but 
Yeah. Decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. I am less in it right now than you are. You're in the thick of it. I am yeah. like, it's situational. You know, I mm-hmm. hit, I, I'll, I'm good until I'm not good. And then I'm, I get a break. That break might just be, I'm, I, we just, it's a lazy weekend and we do fucking nothing. And we, you know, eat like raccoons mm-hmm. <laughs> the pantry for a couple yeah. of days just to get a break. Um, and then I, I can pick back up. So, and to me, we have the luxury of me being able to do that. So you can just like do what you got to do to get through day to day. Yeah. Cause eventually it'll, it'll flip again and it'll mm-hmm. be me who needs the support and yeah. you'll be there. That's just the nature of it. Mm-hmm. So true, true, true. do you have anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. Okay. That's been uh, our experience with mm-hmm. decision fatigue in our power exchange relationship. Uh, I don't know how uh, educational we've been, but hopefully we've been entertaining, maybe even enlightening, but you never know. Uh, So that's it for us. We will do a bonus section. Just Mm -hmm. a reminder before we go into the bonus section, this Friday, April 21st for podcast listeners, that's the day this episode comes out, goes live. Um, We will be live streaming at 9.30 p.m. Eastern uh, on YouTube for our monthly virtual munch q a hangout thing that mm-hmm. we do yep so yeah okay okay so are we good <laughs> i yeah, don't know, don't know huh? probably not mm. <laughs> keep, keep it, it kinky, kinky y'all. y'all and we'll see you next week Yes, baby girl. Can I slash we talk to the crickets about mm. anything other than making fucking decisions? Yes. Thank you for making that decision that was- for me. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. <laughs> that you did. Let's see what what of of that has happened over the past week do i want to pull from uh, oh i know what i want to talk would it be the near dog mauling that we experienced (laughs) together that was traumatic for you and i but lola seems fine let's start there yeah off-leash fucking dog that got out of its fucking house and couldn't be controlled and and here's the crazy tried to start a fight with a dog five times bigger than we're not we're not sure what kind of dog um Caleb thinks it was like an English, French maybe a French. Frenchie. It, I don't think it was a pug because its snout came a little further okay. out. But I don't know. It was I, I thought it might dogs. have been a pug. I wasn't really paying attention to what kind of dog <laughs> it was. No, you were not. Um, it was it was a little dog. It was literally a fifth the size of Lola. Yeah, I mean, I could have picked easily. the dog up in my hand, um, easily. Uh, and um. Anyway, we were out walking Lola. We've gotten back in the habit of, of walking her regularly. Um, we walk up our street and then back down with her. Uh, right now, it's kind of all Lola can do. She, that pretty much wears her out. Um, trying to get her in a little better shape and lose a few pounds. And uh, we, we walked up the street, very uneventful. It was a peaceful walk. Um, we're having a good time. We turned around and started coming back down. Uh, I'm not quite sure how it happened. These people uh, came home 
Don't know if they left their door open. Don't know if they let them out. And and the three dogs. Three of them. Three Two of big them. ones and a little one. And yeah, and 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 the little one. Um, I'm the one. I usually hold Lola's leash. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she she usually does very well with me. So I saw the dogs up ahead, and I pointed them out to her. And kind of tried to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Only because Lola, if, if look, if you are moving quickly on a bicycle, running, a dog running, she wants to follow quickly um, yeah. and wants to pursue. Not to catch, not to fight, not to, she just loves, she loves. wants to pursue and then right. she wants to make a new friend. Mm-hmm. That is, that's what we were trying to prevent because we're like, oh, oh there's no need for this. And this, these right. dogs are everywhere. Let's just take a breath, take a beat, let well, them pass. Well, silly me, I was watching the bigger dogs. And then this little dog comes running up and gets in Lola's face with an attitude. And is yapping and snapping its teeth yeah. and growling a little bit. And like confrontational. This little mm-hmm. dog was like, had decided, I guess, that Lola was a threat, even though Lola was doing nothing, and was in Lola's face. Yeah. And, and it, Lola, at first, was very good. She um, tried to be. She, she tried. I mean, her, her at first, her tail was wagging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was kind of doing her huffy little bark. Mm-hmm. Um, until the little dog lunged for her and tried to take a bite. <laughs> and, well, I was... I know, I know, and we know, don't, mm-hmm. like, get in between two dogs like that. Because then you're the one that is right. on, on the meal. Um, so I'm trying to distract this little dog. I'm trying to figure out where the owners are. No, nobody is coming forth to claim this yapping dog in the middle of the street. Mm -hmm. JB's trying to pull Lola back. I'm trying to drag her back. Which, once the lunge happened, Lola went, well, fuck that shit. But even when JB could pull Lola back, which was difficult, because Lola at that point was now pulling forward, the dog kept following... And coming at her. And coming at her. And at, then at one point, I'm on the other side, the back end of the dog, because I've been, like, trying to figure out how do I, like, get this dog's attention, maybe distract it, maybe mm-hmm. something. I'm trying. I'm, at that point, the owners are out there, and the the woman is screaming at this dog, and I'm thinking, okay, I won't, yeah. I won't kick the dog in front of right. this woman because I don't want to deal with that, but we've got to stop these two. And so I'm on the side where I can see Lola's face. Mm-hmm. And let me just tell you, if you, if anybody ever decides to be an intruder in our home, I hope they get to see that face. Lola's, <laughs> her whole muzzle just like was bunched up. Her teeth were out, the frothing at the mouth. And yeah. JB is being spun like a top in the street, trying to pull her back while she's lunging forward. And this little shit dog is like yapping. And, and I, my focus, our focus, both I think was on the little dog. And right as the owners finally fucking figured out what was happening and the guy came to get the little dog, here comes one of the big dogs who's now, who didn't give a shit at first and now has decided, oh, you're lunging for my friend here, Mm -hmm. my little dog friend, I will get in the middle. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. The the third big dog had not a fuck to give, was out just wandering the neighborhood, ignoring all That one was just wandering the houses and sniffing. And they finally get their dogs inside. We just sort of stand in the middle of the road, like eyes wide. Lola's like 
huffing and yeah. puffing. We she's amped up and thinks, oh, what we should do is go follow everything and and and, and anything. Anything. And we're like, no, no, we're we're just going our asses home right. now. And we go through all of that. <laughs> we just keep looking, and I'm like asking JB, are you okay? Because he got flung around. I mean, he all of the muscles working to keep Lola under control and she was fighting it every step of the way. So when all that ended and they went inside, kind of apologies from the owners, but not heartfelt enough in my opinion, because Lola was about to like take a chunk out of this little dog and it would have been that fucking dog's fault. But of course I know how that would have gone. I know how that would have gone if our pit bull defended her fucking self and Right. Did something to their little dog. So I'm glad it did not come to that. No. We walk home and we are like just eyes wide staring at one another. I'm checking on JB. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I hurt. I hurt a lot. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Um, We get in. We have to go run errands after this. So we yeah. get in. We settle Lola. We try to take a couple of deep breaths. And then we have to go to Walmart. And it was when we were standing in Walmart in the vitamin aisle yeah that i guess the adrenaline rush we came down from it because i just started like i got shaky and i started having to take real deep breaths because i felt like i couldn't catch my breath Mm -hmm. and then my stomach started hurting and we just kept looking at each other all wide and we were just leaning against (laughs) one another like what the fuck and then we went in search for something sweet (laughs) yeah that was that was what we needed Mm -hmm. um so yeah there was no there, there was no injury or harm to anyone. Any, no. But it was close enough that we did not walk her the next night. <laughs> we were like, I think I'll give everybody a break. She wasn't even asking to go out. She was not like giving us all her signals. No. <sighs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lola's fine. She was no worse for the wear. She, um, uh, slept like a log after that. Like she just passed she, out. She, she put herself to bed. Yeah. She, <laughs> but other than that, she was fine. She's still her sweetheart self. She knows we're talking about it. That's she her tail her thumping tail on the thumping. floor. Um, <laughs> what else? There were other things. That was the big one because that was like yeah. the the most traumatic thing that happened. Mm-hmm. What else has gone on this week? We did the band parent thing over the weekend. Yes. And we have one more band parent thing to do this weekend coming up. And then we go into spring concerts and then we're done. Like by mid May yeah. we're, we're done. Yeah. But the spring <laughs> concerts are nothing like no. th- what this stuff is. No. We drive 15 minutes up the road. We sit there for 45 minutes. We go home. And we're we good. Home, yeah. <laughs> the rest of these are like <laughs> drive for an hour. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, band parent stuff. Um, other stuff has happened, but not to us. It's been to the kids, so that's their mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I feel like there's other stuff I'm forgetting, but the damn dog thing, like, kind of over. Yeah, there is a conundrum with uh, Cheddar, who is claimed by the neighbors two houses down, but is still we call her Cheddar because I'm sorry, that's her name. Uh, the outdoor cat, because the neighbors two doors down are like, oh, that's our cat except she's outside all the time and we feed her not every day, but almost every day. Yeah. She comes to our house. Like this is a cat. This is not like Ella. Ella is our cat who would gorge herself until she was sick. Cause that's how she is about yeah. food. 
Cheddar is more like Onyx. Cheddar stops when she's done. Mm -hmm. She does not, like, she doesn't just clean a bowl to clean a bowl. So when she's not hungry, we could tell a couple times she must have eaten because she won't really touch food we've put out for her before we understood that a neighbor was claiming her as theirs. Um, So when I say we're feeding her twice a day, daily for several days in a row, that tells me she's not getting fed fed elsewhere right so i'm like are you claiming this cat as yours i think there's a good thing in claiming the cat because that way if animal control thought it was a stray Mm -hmm. she won't get picked up and like i don't think we have i don't think we have a kill shelter so i think it would be okay but i i like okay probably won't get picked up or we'll you know whatever Mm -hmm. but i'm like is this really your cat if i'm happily feeding her every day and she's at our house most of the time like I don't know. I can't figure it out. But because mm-hmm. there's now a small child who has decided to not call her Cheddar as is her correct name, uh, <laughs> and that's her cat, like I don't feel right just scooping Cheddar up and going, uh, we will take her to the vet and we will like, now I don't know what the fuck to do, but I can't yeah. let her go hungry. So we no. feed her when she comes to our door. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So she's still around. Mm-hmm. I need to brush her. She was looking pretty raggedy. Again, yeah. We've got, is that a tabby that's around? Mm-hmm. There's there's a tabby that's a stray that got hurt in some way, but is so skittish that we can't get it to come up to us or let us feed it. But our across the street neighbors have like a trap. And I, th- I think they've been trying to trap it. I think so too. To get it to the vet, to get yeah. it care that it needs. So that I it was on our walkway up by our garage the other day. And I was like, well, let me see if I can walk up to it. If, if it'll let me. Mm-hmm. So I was making kissy noises and I was moving real slow and I didn't even get that close. And it t- took off yeah. to the best of its ability. Cause it's front paw. It can't put any weight on. And it was doing the three legged kind of. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I noticed this morning the trap is gone. Okay, maybe they caught it. And I have not seen the cabbie. I'm I'm hoping maybe yeah. they caught it. Now you know, I, I, they, they, the the neighbors across the street put out a trap. Um, they are very pet friendly. Oh yeah, we um, thought that Cheddar was going to them. Yeah. For a while, I mean, she might have. Right. Um, there have been other strays in the neighborhood. Um, one they one they took in. It, mm. their cats and it's in the house um others they have uh taken in they've taken to the and i i don't know where it is or who does it but um this this county um has a very very good um tnr in trap place. neuter release, trap neuter release. um and they have taken number of cats we we seem to have a um, this area for some reason seems to be a dumping ground for stray cats, yeah, for people to dump their cats. Mm-hmm. Not dogs. Not dogs, but, but cats. But yeah. cats, yeah. Um, so you know, there there have been a number of um, neighborhood cats, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, and they they have you know. They they have really 
um, been a big uh, bonus mm-hmm. in a sense, you know, because they they do look out for a lot of the animals that wander. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So. Um, and cheddar would come in our house in a heartbeat oh, at yeah. this point. Yeah. So it makes me think that you had said you thought she was dumb. She wasn't like a kitten who got raised on the street. Although no. we have like three or four orange cat strays. And I was yeah. like, Did, who, who's their daddy? Who's their mama? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree that she was dumped. And I think that she must have been with somebody like she's not afraid of houses. She's not afraid of us. Mm um, she would walk in that front door in a heartbeat if we would let her. Yeah. I think Ella, after like a getting used to it period, would be okay because Ella is very curious. Yeah. She, when we go outside to, to pet Cheddar and to feed Cheddar, um, Ella will come to the front door and just kind of be looking and waiting and whatever. And when Cheddar like is looking at the front door as if she thinks she might try to bolt in, um, Ella does not puff up or no. get defensive. However... <laughs> Yeah. Well, Onyx. Ella Ella was a, a community cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think she's just used to being around other cats, mm-hmm. and I don't think it would bother her. Onyx on the other hand. <laughs> so our in our sweet living room, we have one of those big, is it like a bay window? I yeah. don't know. It's, it's a yeah, big it's old a window, window with like a big wide windowsill. So the cats sit there. They have beds in there. And they love to look out at the, the front yard. And when Cheddar, there's a, we have a bird bath um, that, gets used by the, a lot of the stray cats as a place to get water. When Cheddar will go th- across the, that window front yard, get herself some water, be wandering, just be laying out in our grass, whatever. Onyx loses her shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if there was not a glass window pane there, <laughs> she would be on the attack. Yeah. Um, so if we ever bring Cheddar in, uh, which again, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I don't know the ethics of that. Now that a small child has said this cat is right. theirs, although we are the ones doing the majority of the. I mean, I I I, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, I I kind of because the 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 mother didn't really. Oh, the mom was like, "Oh, that's our cat." She did. Okay. I oh yeah, she okay. said it. But okay. it's hard. Here's the thing: as a mom, I have, with the kids were little, I've said shit in front of the kids to keep like the piece of the kid yeah. to be like yeah that's our so i don't know how legit that was but we don't uh, she works nights we don't we hardly ever see her and i don't think we ever see her without her kid there so it's yeah. not a conversation i would have in front of a small child who's like that's my cat really because right? i don't know the last time you fed it but okay so i don't know what the ethics are i'll tell you this if there's a a bad storm like we're on hurricane watch mm. where we get get to winter and we get our cold cold days yeah. and cheddar is still out there and cheddar is still around she's coming in our garage to stay safe i won't even hesitate like come on Mm-mm. in um but i think that if the day ever came when we could claim cheddar i think she'd have to start in the garage and yeah. then slowly move to like a bathroom and we'd have to do the cat daddy like method oh, of yeah. like weeks on end of introducing her to onyx yep. because there's just Ella, I think, would be like, okay, we're good, we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Onyx is going to be a a tougher sell on well, that. Onyx was a challenge when we brought Ella into the mix. She was, but that was only a two month time space between time difference between this is my space, yeah, and and this we're now on like three plus years or whatever. Right. So yeah, right. But yeah, so 
I don't know. So, I still yeah, love that's... Cheddar, and she makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And her name is rightfully Cheddar. Sorry. <laughs> I don't make the rules. So, yeah, that's us. Mm-hmm. That's, uh... Yeah. That's... 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 Sure. Mm-hmm. In the live chat, folks are talking about um, using the meal places, the delivery mm. places to like take the decision fatigue. Yeah. And so we mentioned HelloFresh. Then somebody else mentioned Dinnerly. And Dinnerly I have been curious about because they keep having these specials where it's like your first box or your first couple orders, it's like $2 a meal. Oh, and they're wow. one of the least expensive options. And mm-hmm. I need, what I need to do is do the math on what do we spend on groceries specifically for dinner time yeah. foods versus these meal Prep. kit places yeah. that send you your food and your ingredients and see like mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it it something that could be more of an option after the oldest is off to college yeah when there's fewer of us yep. it's still hard because the youngest is the one with the most food aversions yeah. and the the what we label as the pickiest eater there are certain foods he's just not going to eat now i know that you have you introduce multiple times blah blah, blah but you have to introduce without pressure because if he feels pressured then he'll just dig his heels in and on principle he won't try something <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's. I know that when it's just the two of us, or I'm only responsible for our meals, and right. a child is no longer a child, and they're like 20, but maybe they're in our house, to be like, "You do you, baby. Uh, this is what I'm cooking, and you can eat this, or you can make yourself whatever." Right. Then I might do those meal kit things more often, because just to save us time. But I also plan on experimenting the fuck out of recipes. Oh yeah, when I'm not cooking for kids. Too. Oh yeah. If the kids are more adventurous eaters, that's different, but I would, but anyway. The, the, the oldest has become a little bit more adventurous as he's gotten older. Oh, God, yeah. The oldest would eat all kinds of shit. Yeah. The youngest will eat things that most kids won't, like tuna salad, here for it. Oh, man, yeah. Guacamole, here for it. But then there are, like, basic things. He's like, I'm not, I'm not fucking eating it. You can't make me. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Uh, and knowing, like how his neurodivergence plays out and like what his actual diagnoses are. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm glad I didn't try to go down the, you have to eat what I make you eat kind of mm-hmm. thing. Cause uh, I would have just been banging my head against the brick yeah. wall. Like this is part of how he's wired. And so, okay. So yep. we just maneuver around Work it. around it. Yep. Anyway, clearly yep. we could keep talking for mm-hmm. hours, but we do need to stop at some point. Yes. Um, we're going to go. Thanks for mm-hmm. being Thanks here with for us, joining us. Uh, to the bitter end. Um, Friday, the 21st of April, 9.30 p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. And like I said at the very beginning, we usually stay until about midnight, so you don't have to be here yeah. right at the beginning. Dip in when you can kind of thing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go. Yep. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.